This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM. WFAN New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, we've been talking for several months as to how the pandemic would change our youth and amateur sports on a local, regional, and state level. But in truth, we were really focusing primarily on when the high school and youth sports schedules would begin. Not so much that the rules of the various sports would change. Now, for example, in New Jersey, Governor Murphy just decided to allow medium-risk indoor sports like like youth ice hockey uh, to start. But the New Jersey governor didn't mandate any rule changes in those sports just that they could officially be given a a green light so long as the the usual safety precautions are put into place. Yet, at the other extreme, there are some states that have ruled that, yes, high school sports can indeed be played, but only if the rules of participation of the actual games are modified and enforced by the referees. For example, if you aren't aware... Let me tell you, for example, that how high school boys and girls soccer is currently being played in Massachusetts these days. Now, the good news is that they're playing games and they're competing at the high school level. But the bad news is, well, the rules of the sport of high school soccer in Massachusetts have, well, they've changed dramatically. For example, everybody, everybody wears a mask when they are playing during the games. And that's just for starters. Now, look, I want to talk later on in the hour about how COVID has changed the rules of engagement in soccer in Massachusetts. And yes, the kids who play there, they're following all these new safety rules, and there are a lot of them. But it's very complicated and, quite frankly, very odd. And the question is, maybe is this a good idea? Should perhaps, uh, you know, in New York State, Connecticut, New Jersey, perhaps we should follow these rules as well? But again, this is, this is something that is happening, uh, as I said, not too far to the north, and it's really changed things around. But in any event, that's later on. Right now, I, I do want to take a few moments to talk about the yips. Now, I, I don't know if you've been following the plight of Houston Astros 
all-star second baseman Jose Otuve in the baseball playoffs against the Tampa Bay Rays. But for Altuve, well, the diminutive all-star second baseman suddenly committed several throwing errors on routine plays, such as making a simple throw to first base on a, on a, a typical ground ball. Now, this was just devastating for Jose. You could see on his face uh, during the replays how challenging this unexpected development uh, was for him. Now, and it clearly shows in these replays, who, ironically, Jose, who didn't make one throwing error during the regular season, you could see he was trying to, to finesse or feather his throws over to first or to second. It's, it's almost as though he was trying to be careful as to not make a bad throw but now he does. Now, when it comes to the yips, this kind of overthinking that obviously Jose Otuve was going through and suffering from, well, that's the yips. It's said that the great golfer Tommy Armour was the one who first labeled this ailment as the yips, and lots of top golfers over the years have had to confront the same problem. Uh, everybody from legendary uh, Ben Hogan, Mark O'Meara, uh, Sammy Sneed, Tom Watson, and many, many more. And I can assure you that the yips occurs not just in golf or in baseball, but it happens in football, football quarterbacks in particular, basketball, guys trying to shoot uh, you know, from the field or free throws, and so on. It happens in a number of sports, and quite understandably, most athletes are deathly afraid of contracting the yips. And, and, you know, I, I just want to spend a few moments this morning talking about this and to explain and to hopefully reassure any young athletes or parents out there who have kids who are playing sports why this happens and, most importantly, how you can stop it so that your athlete might, you know, get on with his or her life in terms of playing their sport and playing the sport well. Now, I have to tell you, when I worked with the Cleveland Indians uh, as their roving sports psychology coach, the issue of yips was much more common than one might expect. And, you know, understandably, no ball player ever wanted to be accused of having the yips because it's an unwanted, undesirable label that could really, well, let's face it, it could ruin your career. Uh, you know, I will tell you this also, there is no one proven approach to cure the yips. And as a result, uh, too many sports fans, um, athletes, coaches, you name it, they assume that once somebody gets this, this kind of ailment, this quote-unquote disease, when it comes to visit, the athlete has no hope. I have to tell you, in my experience, the yips occurs when you are so intensely focused on making, let's say, a perfect throw, that in your drive for perfection, you actually begin to think about the physical mechanics of making that throw. That is, of course, you've made the throw, let's say, playing second base. You've made that simple routine over to first thousands and thousands and thousands of times in your life. It's become so automatic, you never give it a second thought. But now suddenly, perhaps like in a playoff game, like Altuve, you recognize that the throw needs to be a real good one. And as a result, your brain starts to go into overdrive. You starts asking you, in a subconscious way about what's the right arm angle you should have, how much strength or power you should put into the throw, what exactly is a target you're focusing on. This all happens obviously in a split second and all happens in your brain. But it's enough, 
it's just enough to totally derail what has always been an automatic, almost semi-conscious process. And that's when a routine throw to first base can become a mess. There's an old baseball saying, and it's called, if you think, you stink. And that's exactly very appropriate here. Let me give you an idea of what I'm talking about. Because when you start putting the element of thinking into something that's always been automatic for you, that's when you throw a real monkey wrench into your plans. Let me ask you this. If, if, you, if I were to ask you if, you, if you, if you think about going down a flight of stairs, a simple walking downstairs, do you go first with your right foot? or with your left foot. Now, when I get you to think about that, something you've done routinely, don't give it any thought, now I've introduced this concept of thought into your brain. So well, now, what do I do? Do I go with my right foot first, or do I go with my left? And that's comparable in a rough way to what happens when you get the yips, particularly, as I said, in baseball, making a throw in the infield over to first base. Suddenly, you're thinking about how I'm actually making my flight, my way down the flight of stairs. And you have, because you're going to think first now, whether I go with my right foot or my left foot, you're going to hesitate because you've got to make sure, well, I have to answer this question. And that's what goes on here. So, you know, over the years, again, when you begin to think, you stink. You can ask people like Steve Blass, Rick Ankeel, Mackie Sasser, Chuck Knobloch, Steve Sachs, John Lester, and throw into first base. The list with ball players is endless. And that's just in baseball. It's a very common predicament. Now, curiously, and I'll take your calls about this in a second at one 337 6666 Ironically, when you have to make a bang-bang throw, like last night with Otuve, he had to make a really, he blocked a, a one-hop shot at him, and uh, he, he bounced, bounced off his glove, and he had to do a really instinctive throw over to second base to get a force out. Because he didn't have time to think about that throw. He just had to make it done. He didn't have, live his brain of a chance to think about what he was doing. He just had to execute. And he had no problem. Now, later on, you know, he had other problems trying to feather the ball to first base. Ironically, of course, it didn't affect his hitting at all. Hitting is different. But when it comes to making that play in the field, it's almost a blessing when it's a really quick throw he has to make, as opposed to having time to think about it. And again, by the way, you can find a lot more about the yips and, and how to work through it with your son or daughter. You can find it in my book, uh, Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed. You can get that anywhere, you know, online or Amazon, whatever. But again, the yips are not to be feared if it happens, and it happens a lot then you have to understand how to cope with it and get on the right track. Let's, uh, let's take some quick calls here. Let's go, to, uh, let's go to our friend Jack Smithland over in Fairlawn. Hey, Jack, good morning. You're up on the fan. How are you, Rick? Good, how are you? Uh, you know, I was hoping you didn't mention your book, but you, you went ahead and did it. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, it, in your book, all right, in the chapter, you know, when you think you stink, Yep. You know, I, I also like the phrase analysis creates paralysis, you know, when you start analyzing everything. But in your book, um, the, the Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed, I think it's in Chapter 7 or 8. I mean, I've read the book already four or five times. It's Chapter so, 7. Um, Thank you. <laughs> there you go. You, you talked about an exercise in golf, but you related it very much to baseball in the book. And you talked about this exercise in golf 
where you, you told the, the golfer to go out on the green, put down a bunch of balls, and don't think. Just putt like rapid fire. And that's right. what I actually called the right. exercise that I took from your book just recently in the last couple of years and worked with a, uh, a second baseman of mine who was having problems. And, you know, you, you said, just go out and just keep putting. Don't think. Well, I said this to the girl, and I said, listen, I'm going to put about 10 balls down on the ground. I want you to shuffle to each ball like our side shuffle as an infielder would do and just pick them up and fire them to first base. She said to me, well, you know I'm going to want to make perfect throws. I'm going to be thinking about it. I said, I'll tell you what, it's very tough to think because, you know, in I believe it was either in your book or your mentor's book, The Mental Game of Baseball, they said, you know, um, total concentration is the ability to think about nothing. So, you know, that's what hitters need to do. That's what fielders need to do. They react. Right. And I said to her, I'll tell you what, when you're going and shuffling to each ball, every time you reach down, think of a white elephant. <laughs> and she said, what? <laughs> what? I said, just think of a white elephant. Well, out of the ten balls, eight were perfect throws. Okay? And did it disappear? No. We had a scrimmage the very next day, and they continued. So I worked that drill with her. But what I said to her in the game, and people thought I was crazy, I said, when you get that routine ground ball, no runners on base, and you're trying to get the runner out at first, if you're going to think about it, roll the ball to the first baseman. <laughs> so she did. Really? She did. And she made, she made two or three putouts in the game by rolling the ball to the first baseman. But she said, you know, I started thinking about the rolling, and the throws started coming back to me. So it was, like you said, there's no explanation for this. It's, it's an amazing thing. And, you know, I've witnessed it. I've witnessed it in my players. You know, when, in baseball and hitting, we call it a slump. But in reality, it's a yip. Because yes. when you go into that slump, something mentally is messed up in your head. It's not your ability to hit. Your mechanics are perfect 95% of the time. It's in your head that you're trying too hard. You know, well, and we, I told you this once years ago about Chris Mullen. I watched him. He was a friend of mine because his coach, his private coach and, and uh, strength and conditioning coach for the Golden State Warriors at the time was a guy named Mark Grabo. He and I are best friends. He used to come and visit, and we met Zach, and he hung out, and Mullen came to our house. Well, I had keys to a gym locally, and we went over when we shot foul shots. And you talked about it in your book also about muscle memory, which is very closely related to this. When you're not thinking, your muscles take over. Well, I watched him shoot like 100 foul shots with his eyes closed, and he made like 97 of them, Yeah, 93 of them. I mean, you know, your book, I mean, in your book, you talk about this, and it's, you know, it's a great book. You Jack, should buy it. I, I got to tell you, go as I say, uh, the phrase you used a few seconds ago, about, yes, this is all about muscle memory. It's all about basically trusting your athletic instincts. You can't think too much. And it's yep. hard for particularly uh, young competitive athletes who, who say, but this is, this is an important game or I, I, I want to be perfect. Well, we understand that. But at some point, you have to allow your own athletic instincts take over. And, and as you said, you had that one of your softball players, you said, well, think about white elephants or something like that. 
we're just trying to derail that conscious interruption into what they're thinking. I have to make a perfect throw. And, and once you do that, then it sort of snaps back into their normal flow of just making unconscious throws uh, easily. But until that happens, they, and again, the reason I want to bring this, this whole topic up this morning is because I want to reassure a lot of young athletes and their parents and the coaches, this is not like the end of the line when it comes to the yips. You have to understand that if you confront it, that's the first step. You have to say, okay, I got a problem. Let's work through this and get it done and figure this out. It can be corralled. And, I, you know, Atuve, certainly Dusty Baker, his manager said, no, he's our guy. He's, he's our MVP. He's going to play and play second base. He's not going to DH. And that was the right thing to say because he knows that Atuve will get through this. It's as simple as that. I mean, it's, it's well, something you know, that, that is, part of, is part of all sports, you know. It, it really is. And you can't fear it either. You got to work with it. You know, one of the things I've read in a book that I'm re- reading uh, in, the, in the past couple of weeks, it says, you know, you got to confront your fears. You can't fear them. You can't, you know, fear is fear. Hey, but you got to work with them. Don't let them take control of you. And that's... one of those other things. Yeah, one of those other things is, you know, if you don't take control of your emotions, your emotions will take care of you. Take, take control of you, and that's important. And that's important to remember. But. Don't let it get to you if it's happening to you. Just repetition, keep working, keep working. And like you said, total concentration is the ability to think about nothing. Just let your body, let your athletic ability take over. Absolutely. It it, it works every time. Jack, thank thank you as always for your good thoughts, and we'll talk to you again soon. I will. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, Jack. That's Jack Smithlin. Okay, uh, I got to take a break. Uh, when I return on the other side, I do want to talk about these rather extensive new rules for high school soccer in Massachusetts. I think you'll be well. I think you'll be amazed by these rules, and I want to get your thoughts on whether this is a good idea or perhaps they've gone too far. One eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Give me a call, and we'll discuss. Let's talk about high school soccer in Massachusetts. Now, as I mentioned before the break, that there are all sorts of new rules that have been added to soccer matches uh, up there, uh, obviously to protect and prevent the spread of COVID. And there was an excellent article this past week in the uh, New York Times uh, by Andrew Key, who wrote about all this. And I, 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 I'm going to go through some of these, just a few of these rules. And I want to get your sense if you think this is going too far or whether this makes sense, and maybe these, some of these rules should be adapted to other high school sports. Uh, and again, um, I, I, yeah. let me just go through these, and you'll see where I'm going with this. All right, for starters, uh, everybody, everybody, all the players, referees, coaches, everybody has to wear a mask. Uh, not just wear on the sideline, all the players wear masks during the course of the game. If you look at the video, every kid is playing soccer with a mask on. Now, you can tell me, obviously, about, well, it's difficult to run and sprint wearing a mask. Well, apparently that's what they're doing in Massachusetts. This is boys' and girls' varsity soccer. Number two, no heading of any soccer ball. Now, this may date back to concerns about concussions, uh, obviously, but these days, because of concerns of, I guess, the spread of COVID, uh, that, again, there is no heading of any soccer ball during allowed in a match. And, and you know, if this happens... By the way, if any any kid breaks these rules, the referees obviously blow a whistle and there's an indirect kick. The ball goes up other team. I mean, these, these rules are being enforced throughout the game. 
All right, number two. Number three, no slide tackling. I mean, you can't, you can't have any physical contact with an opposing player. You just can't have any, any intentional body contact at all. So there's no sliding to steal a ball. There's no contact at all. You just can't do that. If you do that, whistle is blown, ball goes to, uh, to the other team. Um, throw-ins, no more throw-ins. They're replaced by kick-ins because, again, they don't want anybody handling the soccer ball that might obviously spread the disease. Games are no longer uh, done in terms of halves. They're divided into quarters. Why? To give the players some additional rest uh, during the course of wearing the masks uh, in, the, in the soccer match. Uh, and, friends, I, I'm going to keep going with some of these rules here, but, again, I want to get your thoughts about this and what you think makes sense. one 337 6666 Moving on. Goalkeepers uh, cannot throw or punt a ball in the air across the midfield line. I'm not really quite sure why that is. Uh, but it must be something to do, obviously, to protect uh, the players from the spread of the disease somehow. Um, uh, there's no, uh, no player walls to block free kicks. Again, they didn't want the, the kids lining up close to each other to form a wall. So uh, the players have to be remain throughout the entire game at all times six feet apart. I don't sure how that's done during the course of a soccer match if you're trying to mark somebody. But again, no, no walls of players to, to basically protect the goalie and to give a difficult shot to an opposing player who has a free kick. Um, obviously, that's made it um, much easier for goals to be scored. There's nobody lining up to block a free kick. Um, if a player steps within uh, six feet of referee uh, to argue a call, then he or she will be given uh, a red card and ejected immediately. In other words, they don't want any protest at all. So we know soccer, like all sports, can be emotional. And sometimes, you know, kids uh, have a difference of opinion about when a, a call in the game. But if you get within six feet of referee to argue a call or to voice your opinion, you, not, you won't get a yellow card. You'll be immediately ejected from the game with a red card. Uh, afterwards, after the game is over, uh, there are no longer any uh, post-game handshake lines. Um, it's just uh, replaced, really, by the two teams waving at each other at a distance and, and basically just nodding each other and saying, good game. Um, and again, this is just the, the tip of the iceberg with these rules. Uh, another one I don't really understand as well, there's no live ball rebounding on penalty kicks. Again, I assume that's because of a ball bangs off the goalie of the goalkeeper, maybe there's some sort of transmission from the goalkeeper's gloves or whatever to the ball. But again, there's no law, no live ball rebounding. Now, the reaction, as you might imagine, to these rules, and there are many more, is that first of all, and again, this is for boys and girls in high school soccer in Massachusetts, the refs have to call all these new rules. They're, they refer to them in a, in a, in a way of COVID, COVID penalties. It's as simple as that. They just, they just basically say, well, um, these are on top of the regular rules of soccer. The games, there's a lot more whistling going on in terms of uh, stoppage of play because, you know, kids are kids and they haven't absorbed all these rules yet. And so the games take a lot longer and the refs feel like, well, there's a lot of stoppage of play because these rules have to be enforced. But it is, it is really bizarre. And, and um, the kids... Well, they sort of resign themselves to the fact their reaction is, uh, well, the alternative is that we're not allowed to play soccer at all at the high school level. So if we have to play this sort of hybrid reimagined game, 
then we'll do this because we want to play soccer for our high school team, but it is different. It is just, a, it's really sort of adapted the game in such a way, and the question is, you know, is this going too far? I mean, would this happen, for example, let's say in basketball, uh, another an indoor sport where obviously there's a real concern about trans, uh, transmission of the disease? How about um, ice hockey? I mean, I... Yeah, you can see where this can go. And the question is, we do know that this is happening now. It might be sort of a guinea pig situation to see if it works or not. But right now, they're doing it, and, and it's just unusual. Let's let's get your thoughts and calls about this unusual set of circumstances. Let's go to our friend Louie over in Lindbrook. Louie, good morning. I know, obviously, you're, you're a longtime soccer coach. W- what do you make of the situation? Have you heard about this at all? Oh, yeah. I did hear about it, Rick. And uh, just to start off, what I'm about to say is that um, – Yesterday, we had our first practice indoors, and, uh, you know, all the kids wore masks. What I was surprised was I didn't have to tell one of my kids to put their masks on. Mm-hmm. They had them on throughout the whole practice. I only had 10 kids at the practice. I purposely kept it at that amount. Right. Keep it low. And none of them took it off. None of them even, when they got a break, took it off or tried to take it off. Everybody kept them on. I didn't have to say one word to the kids. Good. Now, we're in Queens, of course. Uh, th- there is an uptick in uh, COVID in Queens. And, um, you know, we're very careful about what we're, what we're doing here. But uh, getting back to Massachusetts, what you were talking about. See, to, to be honest with you, some of, those, some of these new rules are good, and I'll tell you why. With no player walls to protect the goalie, this will open up the scoring. Usually soccer have low-scoring games. Sometimes there's no scoring at all. You get a lot of ties. Of course. You're not going to get these ties anymore. That's what's going to happen. That's that's the first thing I know is a, a difference in. Secondly, with no walls, uh, that's going to help. That's going to help a lot from people not getting injured because what ends up happening is if you kick the ball against the wall, now everybody's in a big cloud and they're all banging each other. Sure. So I think from an injury standpoint, point of view and a safety point of view, I think this is uh, pretty good. And no heading. Well, look, a lot of people, believe it or not, they get concussions when they bang each other's heads. Of course. Okay? And, and I got to tell you, I was always, I tried to put this in force. I wanted my players to wear uh, head coverings, like in the old days where the goalies wore them. I think they should be wearing them because there's too well, many concussions in soccer, and it, it's become too much of a problem. This might alleviate that. I think that that there's a lot of positives in this. Lou, let's let's recap some of the stuff here because yes, I mean this again. I mentioned going back to the days of concussions, and there was a, a, a sort of a grassroots movement uh, a few years ago to eliminate heading uh, in soccer, particularly at the youth level, because the concerns of concussions, uh, and especially such young kids aren't really well schooled in how to head a ball properly. But now. This is happening in Massachusetts, and you cannot head a ball in a soccer match. Now, a lot of traditionalists in soccer are going to say, yeah, but heading is, is a key part of the game. It's how you redirect balls, particularly in front of the net. It's Why would you want to eliminate that? The other thing that they've taken away is uh, there's, no, there's no tackling, no sliding. How do you feel about that? Well, I think, believe it or not, I like that idea because that presents a chance where more players are going to get hurt. I think... A big major problem here in our sport, yeah. and maybe in many sports, is a safety issue. I mean, I've been coaching at Vaughn College for quite a while now, soccer. 
And more important than anything else during a practice, I try to keep the players from banging into each other because I want to have them for the game. Too many safety issues, too many ways to get hurt in, in, in soccer. I think this will keep the kids from getting concussions, from getting these major knee problems, from getting these other uh, injuries that are preventing them from playing in the games and maybe having their season uh, last the whole season instead of them just playing one or two games. I got to tell you the truth. You hit on a few things. I thought of you yesterday at practice, as a matter of fact. Uh-huh. And I said, you know what? After I read that article, I said, hey, look, the game might be changing. Maybe it's better that it's changing this way. Well, the heading is crazy. Uh, there's too many slide tackles that are illegal. A lot of times, these kids, they go after a good player. And I've seen it happen many times. They know who the best player is on the team. The first tackle is against that guy. That guy ends up not playing the rest of the game. And then the other guy gets thrown out. He gets a red call. But that's okay. It's a trade for a medium talented player for a, a super player. A coach is willing to do that. Well, I don't think that's fair. Lou, I, I, look, you make very, very compelling points here. And, and maybe, as you said, maybe, because I said in Massachusetts, this wasn't decided in a willy-nilly kind of uh, a rash fashion. They had talked about this and discussed this with uh, soccer coaches and referees over the course of the summer into the fall and said, okay, this is what we want to do. Now, obviously, a lot of these rules are meant to you know, protect the kids from the spread of COVID. But, yeah, I think a lot of these are about you know, changing the game in a, in a safer way. I mean, there was uh, one girl in particular they were focusing on, and forgive me, I forget her name and the school, but, but she was going to uh, Villanova on a soccer scholarship next year. And uh, suddenly, you know, she, I mean, she's a star player. So obviously the other teams spent a lot of time, as you would suggest, they try to basically slide tackle her to, to sort of not injure her, but to sort of rough her up a little bit so it's not easy for her to, to uh, maneuver on the field and to score goals. Now, what's happened is she has nobody trying to stop her now because of these new rules, and she's become a real dominant force. Uh, it, it's, that may not be a bad thing because it's fair for everybody. Um, but again, it's just it's just unusual that this is happening. And in fact, let me ask you, because I, have, I wasn't able to find any information about this, curiously. Uh, we're talking about high school soccer here, but obviously they play a lot of club uh, soccer in Massachusetts as well. Uh, do you know in the club level or travel team level of Massachusetts, are, are they using the same rules? I assume they're not. They probably are not. They're probably not doing that because they're able to get away. They make their own rules, most of these uh, club uh, teams. They're able to practice whenever they want. Uh, there's no. I am sure they're not doing this. Sure, because yeah. what ends up happening is they think that they're going to ruin the game. But i, I got to tell you, I think some of these ideas are really good. I think there's too much slide tackling, too much head banging in the game. For, and kids are getting injured all the time. And they're really altering the game by slide tackling. This is supposed to be a skill game. Not a bully game. (laughs) Well, that's, you know, I was just going to say, watching high school soccer matches, uh, and you you said, Lou, uh, especially on a corner kick, uh, you know, the the big kids are in front of the net, and they're banging heads, and they're banging shoulders, and this is like a scrum, like like a football scrum, um, and it's, it's, this is serious contact, and, you know, 
concussions are a concern in soccer. Uh, and, and the goalie who's trying to watch the ball and uh, trying to find his or her way in the scrum, they're the ones who often get, get the elbow in the head. So it, it's I hard. mean, is, is, is it fair to have one goalie against 20 kids that yeah. are trying to hit them? Yeah, I don't think it's fair. Let me ask you one last question, Lou, before I let you go. Uh, this rule about no live ball rebounds on penalty kicks, is that you think is that a safety thing just to make sure that kids uh, don't have a scrum in front of the net and the, when a goalie stops a penalty kick and has to come and get – I mean, how do, why do you think that rule's there? Any idea? I think that's there because now all of a sudden there's a lot of contact involved yeah. after that uh, penalty kick is taken. Everybody's swarming that poor goalie. You're going to have 10 or 12, 15 kids – all swarming, and his own right. players are in the way many times. He's got to fight his own players because his own players are trying to take the ball out. The goalie doesn't know if the defender's going to clear the ball out or not, so the goalie's got to go after the ball himself. Now they're both having collisions. Yeah, it's a mess. It's well, a this, mess most so, of the time. Yeah. Again, uh, this is – I'm really getting – I like your thoughts here, Lou. I think you said this is maybe soccer in Massachusetts – is sort of perhaps leading the way in trying to instill a sense of safety, not just in terms of preventing the virus from spreading, but also in terms of making the game safer for the kids who play. We may be onto something here. They may be doing something yes. good up there. Yes. And, and I got to tell you something. I'm going to bring up to the league about wearing the soft covered helmets. Sure. You know, the, the very soft, like they used to in the in the 70s and 80s. I don't know if you remember, Rick. All the goalies would wear those helmets. Of, of course. All of a sudden. Of all of a sudden, they got rid of that. Yeah. And I said to myself, that was the best piece of safety equipment you can have. Maybe they all should be wearing them because of these concussions. The world has changed. The uh, game has changed. In all sports, everybody is, is – they, they're trying so hard to get the ball. Whatever they're doing, they're going up on the head balls. There's too many concussions. In the old days, there weren't this many concussions. Well, we don't know that. I mean, I mean, the fact yeah, is – we can't. We, we, we nobody was sure. really paying attention in those days. You know, the idea is you get your your uh, your, your bell your rung. Your bell rung. Yeah, you stayed out for a few minutes and went back in the game later on. So there were concussions. Certainly, concussions are not a new, as you know, not a new invention. Right. Uh, but in those in those days, those kids felt a lot better. Today, when the kids have the concussions, for three, four weeks, maybe more than a month, they have they have serious headaches. Serious yeah. headaches. Yeah. In the old days, I don't remember when I played. Players complaining about having the headaches after they had the initial concussion in the game yeah. or in the practice. Yeah. Lou, uh, really good stuff. Appreciate you calling in and chiming in this morning because you make some very, very uh, cogent points. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. Rick, you're the best. I've always said it. Thank you for uh, having a, a great show that you do. You, you, you just make the difference for a lot of people's lives. And I, I think that everybody recognizes that. And well, I just want to thank you for. Uh, for bringing things and awareness to sports so everybody knows about what's going on. And I think your show does it. Well, Lou, those are very, very kind words, and I, I very much appreciate your sentiments. Thank you very much. Take care now. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, let's take a quick break. When I come back, I want to continue talking about this because, yeah, maybe Massachusetts high school boys and girls soccer is on to something, as Lou was just saying. These rules, these safety rules, Maybe there's something to consider around the country when it comes to high school and obviously club soccer as well. one 337 6666 
Hey, don't forget, on a Sunday morning, the NFL preview. That follows the Sports Edge at uh, 8 o'clock. And, of course, you can always follow me on Twitter at hashtag AskCoachWolf. Uh, go to my website as well at AskCoachWolf.com uh, for more opinions, resources, books, and so on. And speaking of sports parenting books, uh, as I mentioned in passing a few weeks ago, my, my friend and colleague, Bob Bigelow, suddenly passed away from a heart attack. Now, Bob was a fervent and passionate uh, advocate for kids in sports. And as part of his legacy, uh, Bob's friends and his family have arranged uh, to have one of his books to be downloaded for free. And I'm very, very happy to pass along this information to you this morning. The book is called Youth Sports, Still Failing Our Kids, How to Really Fix It. And to get this book, and it's a terrific read, by the way, uh, you just go to uh, bobbigelow.com, and you'll see the link right there to get this wonderful uh, ebook for free. Again, all you have to go to is go to bobbigelow.com, and you can quickly download a free ebook, Youth Sports, Still Failing Our Kids, How to Really Fix It. Uh, and I, I urge you to do so. It's, it's a very nice gesture by by Bob and, and his family and friends to have done this. And again, it's a terrific read. And obviously, if you follow sports parenting issues, you'll be you know right on target with your read of this book. Okay, right now we're talking about these unusual and unique and perhaps creative and uh, advanced in the way of thinking of safety for high school soccer uh, in Massachusetts. Some of these rules admittedly change the game, as we know traditionally, uh, but it's all meant to protect the kids and the coaches and the referees, and we're taking your thoughts about this. Um, let's, uh, let's go to uh, Carlos in Port Washington. Good morning, Carlos. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. Um, yeah, I was, I was listening to uh, the rule changes about Massachusetts, and I used to play a lot of soccer growing up all yeah. the way to college, you know. And some of the rules are, you know, some of the rules are decent as far as, you know, like the throwing, maybe not getting touched because that doesn't really affect the game. But as far as, you know, the, the no heading or the no slide tackling, for me, that's a little bit too much. I mean, you're playing soccer already. You're already assuming the risk of playing. Maybe you should be in further testings before the games that could, you know, keep it a little bit more safety and, and make the rules a little bit less, you know, um, impactful on the actual game. Because, uh, like, as far as, you know, like, the wearing the helmets throughout the whole game, I mean, that's, I, I used to wear a helmet when I was in eighth grade playing goalie, but I never really saw it that way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's all about coaching, too. You know, if, if the coach, you know, like the Lou was saying that you, you go for the best player, the referee knows who the best player is, and he's going to protect that player. Yes. And as far as, you know, the other players trying to injure him, I mean, that's a little bit of bad coaching as well. I mean, my coach would never allow us to go and try to tackle the, 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 the strongest player on the other side of the team. That's. It's something that you don't really do. I mean, maybe in perspective, like in his perspective, that's what he sees. Yep. But me, actually, you know, from a player, I never really saw it in that aspect. And I played goalie, and I played forward all the way through college, and I never really saw it in that aspect, you know. Well, here, here's the thing, uh, Carlos. And uh, On one hand, again, we don't know all the motivation uh, as to all these rule changes. And let's face it, as you, as you heard me say, these are fairly dramatic. Yes, some are obviously yeah, are. there wearing the mask the entire match. Well, that's that's hard. I mean, if you're if you're running around, that's a soccer, hard. Yeah. you know, it's hard to breathe through a mask. Uh, and I understand why yeah. they're doing this. And you yeah. got to stay six feet apart. But I don't. It, it's if they're basically also changing the the fundamental rules of the sport. Now we talk about slide tackling. That you said, well, you know, it, it in your in your day, it didn't seem that was 
that done to, to obviously to focus or center on a particular star player. But it, it, does, it does happen occasionally. And, and the fact is that it does. does happen. It does change the game. If you can't put a wall uh, on, on a yeah. free kick. Yeah, that, that, of course. That's, that's definitely, I mean, with the goalie, I needed a wall, you know, especially how close. <laughs> it depends how close the, the, the free kick was. I mean, if it's like literally outside the box, you have no wall. It's like basically an extended penalty shot on yeah. the goalie, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it is a little bit um, far, you know what I mean, as far as, you know. But as long as everyone in the team, the two teams are playing in the same playing field, I feel, you know what, it's equal. It's, 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 they're both well, playing on equal fields. And so it is kind of like, all right, you can do it, you know. As I say, it's equal for both teams. And, and the bottom line is, uh, is the fact that the, the kids are saying, they're playing. They're doing this. They're playing. Exactly. exactly. And they and say that's what they, you, want to, you want to see them. They want to see them play. Uh, it is unusual, and they're being, they have to cope with a lot of different rule changes. And, of course, the poor referees are in the same boat because this is all new to them as well. But the fact is they are doing the best they can because, as one kid said in, in the article in the New York Times, the alternative is not playing at all. So I want to play. Exactly. So if that's how exactly. they're going to play the game, you know, uh, at least <laughs> – at least they haven't. At least they haven't changed the rule. Only the goalkeeper is allowed to actually hold the ball in one's hands. <laughs> <laughs> but as long as they got the gloves, right? They're good. <laughs> hey, Carlos. No, uh, it, it, go ahead. Thank you, thank you for taking my call. Thanks, Carlos. Uh, you know, and it's you know, this is going to happen. It may be something that does change and evolve. That the game does go in a, in a more direct and safer manner to protect our kids in terms of uh, less contact, less concussions, you know, no more of a wall to protect a goalkeeper. Maybe uh, they'll stop doing throw-ins entirely and just do kick-ins and so on and so forth. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, Billy in the Jersey Shore. Hey, Billy, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good, Billy. Um, it sounds like they are changing the rules to get through the season and prevent the spread of COVID, obviously. Yeah. A lot of the rules, a lot of the changes they made make a ton of sense. Actually, we train with those rules. There's no throw-ins, no slide tackling, so it makes the game a little smoother. Uh, the headgear. Is it, really, is it the high school level? What, what level are you talking about? You all know? levels. Okay. Every level. Yeah. Okay. Um, and one, one gentleman was talking about the headgear. Yes. Probably a yeah. very good idea. You know, obviously, there were concussions back in the day. We didn't have a technology to explore the concussions, number one. So they were there. They've always been there. Yep. The side tackling yep. thing is a good idea. It's going to keep people safe. They're getting through the season, and I commend them for that. A lot of the changes are a little quirky. A lot of, a lot of them are pretty good. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I wonder if this is a situation where Massachusetts is saying, okay, we're going to put things, rules into place like wearing a mask throughout the entire game. That's obviously done to protect the kids from the spread of the disease. Okay, I get that. The other rules, though, as you said, Billy, I, I, maybe they're, them, they're trying to experiment during this unusual shortened season to see if these rules might catch on. Uh, you know, like, well, maybe people do like the fact that uh, the, they can increase potential scoring in the game by not having a wall in front of the goalkeeper. Uh, maybe they do want to go to just kick-ins as opposed to throw-ins. Maybe they feel it's, it's, it's better, uh, you know, to not have uh, live ball rebounds on penalty kicks. So they're using this sort of like unusual season to experiment with different rules and see how they work or not. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe that is going to be the, the whole sort of a legacy of this unusual, you know, fall season. Uh, but I'm curious. Right, I you're already doing this with, you said, with your own youth groups. Is that correct? 
just training. Yes, you know it gets it makes the game smoother. The the, the technical aspect of the players yep. they can use their skill more. People aren't slide tackling. No one's getting hurt in training. Remember too though, once you you know once you put your kid on and start playing for the day, there's a chance of injury no matter what. Of course. So that's the chance. That's the risk every player is taking in any sport. But listen. Massachusetts, they want to get through the season. They came up with this product, and I commend them for it. Yeah. Let's get, you know, move on. And uh, remember, if change has to start somewhere, if they pick up three of these things that might change the game forward, and it's for the good of the game. It has to start somewhere, so maybe it started here. Right? Well, I, I, I hear you. And I, the, the calls I've been getting this morning are also fairly encouraging. Uh, as you said, that, you know, let's, change has to start somewhere. We all know that the, the, the COVID-19 has really wreaked havoc with our fall schedules. Maybe this is the opportunity, this so-called of melting pot of new rules to see if they work. Now, maybe a lot of these rules will not take hold, but some people might say at the end of the season, that was a pretty good idea. It eliminates the injuries, knee injuries, ACL injuries, by having a lot less slide tackling and allows the kids with greater skill uh, to go out and play the game as he or she wants to. It, it may make sense uh, for a lot of reasons, and I think that's something that, that might work. I mean, again, it, at least we're talking about it, and that's, that's a good thing. Because otherwise, right, uh, if they decided to go out and just play regular uh, traditional soccer, traditional you know, soccer rules, we wouldn't have this conversation. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm curious, why did you decide to do these, these other things uh, in, in your practice sessions? You say it just makes the, the practices smoother, the game smoother, the, the skills? Right. Well, if you if you're not slide tackling, right, yep. and you're not doing throw ins, you put them down. You're you're constantly the ball's always at your feet. No one's tackling you. It just it, you just learn the skill more. You you learn to be an individual more with the ball. You don't have to worry about someone tackling. And obviously, you have to you know once the game starts, things change. But it makes the players better for sure. I, I think that's, well, that's the bottom line. If we're coaches, we want to make our kids better. And uh, as you said, it, it seems to be working for you. And as I said, we'll be curious to see what the legacy is or the long-range impact is in Massachusetts. The first question will be, once this season wraps up up there, will they keep the rules in place for, for next year? And that, that'll be sort yeah, of the bottom line. So, A couple of the changes, I really, I, you know, the fact that they're, you know, you, you're not putting a wall on direct kicks or indirect kicks. I yeah. like that. that. That's good. It definitely increases. That would increase the scoring a lot. Well, Maybe put one or two people in the wall, that's it. But, you know, they put six, seven, and, you know, yeah. to be a, a magician to curve the ball around the wall <laughs> to get it to where it wants to go. Hey, Bill, th- thank you for your thoughts this morning. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you. You bet. Hey, look, uh, again, we'll wait and see how this all evolves in Massachusetts. Again, as the callers called this morning, a lot of these rules sort of make sense in terms of enhancing and improving the skills of the game and preventing injuries, particularly on sliding tackles in the, in the sport of soccer. We'll see what happens. Uh, something, I guarantee you this, people will be paying attention to what happens up there as the season rolls on. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Tom Lugar. Please stick around for the NFL preview. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 